This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 21 and we're dealing with servitude. We're dealing with entering into bond servant relationships with other people. God is giving, he's giving Israel some guidelines. And the yesterday was about what a bond servant is, understanding the modern day understanding of slavery. The truth is that as far as the Bible's concerned, if you enter into, if you enter into a contract with someone that, that causes you to put something up of value that's yours and you put a bond for it, or really what it is, it's a loan, it's a contract. We call it different things, but basically that, that item is bound up. And so it costs you money to get it back. And a lot of times people's eyes just go crossways when I talk about this because they don't understand it. And I understand why. And because it's so painful, because you've got, you've, you, you need a vehicle, it costs you $500 a month to have one. You need a house, but it costs you $1,200, $1,500 a month to have one. You need these things. And before you know it, you don't have any money. And so it's painful. It's difficult. And and in these times, it, you can imagine it's even more difficult because if you didn't have any resources in which to gain resources, you are stuck. And even though God's providing you manna from heaven and water from a rock, He's not providing you anything else. Even though your clothes are not your clothes are not wearing out, you, know, you might not have any clothes. Even though the tents are going to be okay. And God's not going to allow a storm to destroy Israel's infrastructure. If you don't have a tent, that's a problem. And there are people out there who don't. Remember, they just came out of Egypt and they just came out of permanent servitude or bondage that was generational, where they sold, they were owned by the Egyptians forever and they didn't have any property. And so what they got and left with was what the Egyptians gave them. And they're struggling to set up an economy. And economies are very intricate. In fact, uh, the study of economics, my, my undergraduate degree is in economics. The study of economics is called the dismal science. And the reason it's called the dismal science is it can't really ever be completely measured and compared to anything else. Because the moment we live in is not like any other moment that's ever existed. And so when I measure something today, and I say in the 1950s, it was like this. Yeah, you say, but we didn't have cell phones, and we didn't have computers, and we didn't have this, that, and the other, and our cars couldn't park themselves, and there was all kinds of things different, and you're right. So how do we compare today to 1950? Well, you can do it on broad terms, but you can't always do it on, on small terms, and so that's why it's called the dismal science. It's more scientific that a lot of social sciences and that it uses a lot of math. There's a lot of, there is a lot, there's a lot of trying to quantify things in spreadsheets and compare things to the past, but it's just hard to do. It's just really hard to do. 
and understanding how economics works and understanding how business works and understanding how relationship dynamics works in a in an area that's never existed before is hard. It's hard. It's difficult. And a lot of times it makes your eyes cross. And you got you're going to have economies that develop in these societies, especially this brand new society. And you go, they're all, they're not brand new. They are a people that have lived together for hundreds of years. Yeah, but they're not. They come from a command economy, a command society where where they were told exactly what to do in bondage in slavery. And now they're out of bondage and out of slavery. And God's got to give them some direction about how to handle certain economic conditions. And the first one he says is, hey, listen, if you don't have anything and you want to promote your family, you want to move your family ahead and you want to enter into a contract. And basically what they were doing was they're taking out a loan. They were getting a loan from their master. And they were, when they got that loan from their master, they they were to work for their master. They're alienating their labor, selling their labor to the master for some money so that they could have some resources, maybe so that they could buy a small herd of goats or sheep or cattle or whatever, and they could maintain their little nest egg and grow it and also work for the master and pay off their debt. And that's what a bond servant is. And if you think about it, that's what you do. You go, I need a car so that I can go make money. And so I go to a bank and the bank gives me money to buy a car. And sometimes I go to the lot and I buy a car that's more than I can afford because I really like it. And that's your fault. It really is. And we do that. And so you buy this car and it is getting you to work, but you're having to pay for it for five, six years because... It costs you money. If you get a used car, might only have to pay for it two or three years, but it's not as worth as much. But it, but as far as its utility or its ability to get you from work and to work and get you to food and to other things that you need to do, it's very valuable. And so obviously you want to have some form of the ability to get along if you have nothing so that you can have resources. And the thing that everybody has that God has freely given us, and we went through that in the Constitution yesterday, the one thing that we have is our labor. We can give give up our work. We can s- subjugate our will to a master's will or, or a banker's will or somebody like that and say, okay, the product of my labor, my, pay, my paycheck, I'm going to give to you so that I can have this car. And that's what you're doing. When you, when you go in to get a loan, you need to understand that. I am alienating a portion of my work. I'm taking a portion of what I'm going to be working and earning, and I'm going to give it to you so that I can have this resource that you're going to give me. And it might be a car, and it might be a home. It might be something really dumb, like an Xbox or something like that. But if you want it real bad, you can get it. And in fact, you can go to stores right now. I saw on Amazon, I see on Amazon all the time, you can buy a pair of pants and the pants are 200 bucks and you're going, why do you need 200 bucks per pair? I don't know. Maybe you want to look good when you're going to Christmas parties. I don't buy $200 pair of pants, but maybe you do. And so you buy a $200 pair of pants and you can pay them off in six monthly installments. Wow. I'm going to alienate the next six months of my labor to have those pants. I hope they don't get dirty. I hope they don't split and 
I hope I don't gain weight, but you can do it. You can do it. It's even possible because as economies get more intricate, as they get as they get more complex, things like that become available for people. God's trying to give these people. He's trying to give the people who are are starting a brand new economy. He's trying to give them some directions as far as people are concerned. He's going to also give them directions about what happens when somebody gets hurt by somebody else or their resources get hurt by somebody else. He's going to, he's going to say, this is the things that's, that these are the things that are required to happen. If somebody gets hurt because of something that you have done or that your property has done. And so we're going to deal with those things. And you go, why is God doing? Well, because it's important. You've got to build those, build those walls up and those relationships up. And the one he's going to deal with today is really important. And you go, well, why is it really important? Because it feel it deals with women. And if you hear people out in the world and they say the Bible is just subjugating women, it's really not if you read it. Because God, every time he institutes something, he makes sure at some point in time to deal with women. And the reason he does that is because women get taken advantage of. And we know that not because they're stupid, but because they are the weaker sex. And I'm saying that in the purely physical way it's meant to be said. But And by the way, I do know what a woman is, and I know what a man is, and women are physically weaker than men. They have about 60% less upper body strength than a man does. They have about 30% less lower body strength, but they have 60% less upper body strength. You go, why do they have greater lower body strength? Because they're going to have to carry children. And so they have greater lower body strength in proportion to men than upper body, but they are physically. Now, are there some women that are really strong? Sure. Are there some men that are really weak? Sure. We're talking about averages. We're talking about the average man and the average woman. The average man is about six inches taller, uh, six to 10 inches taller than the average woman. And he's about 60% stronger in his upper body than the average woman. And uh, you take a woman and a man that are of equal size and equal weight, the man's going to be proportionally a lot stronger than the woman, generally speaking. And so what is God going to do about that? Because uh, you can be coerced physically. uh, You can be coerced a lot of ways, but you can be coerced physically uh, primarily in this world, and especially during the times that they live in where there's a lot of warfare And that type of warfare didn't deal with guns and rifles and rockets and airplanes. It dealt with hand-to-hand combat. When you're dealing with that, you need to make sure that your laws protect females. And God's law always protects females. It always does. God makes sure that they're not taken advantage of. And God makes sure in his law, and we're going to run across this a lot, God makes sure that men are put in their place as far as there's boundaries set up. And this happens right here. God says, I'm going to put some boundaries up as far as if you're, if a female is, a daughter is sold into servitude, or if a daughter makes a bond or contract to, for property, we're not going to treat her like a man. And the reason we're not going to treat her like a man is because she'll be mistreated differently than a man will. A man may be mistreated and he's worked too hard. She may be mistreated sexually, and God's going to deal with that. He says in verse 7, if a man sells his daughter as a servant, she is not to go free as a male servant does. And you go, that don't sound right. No, it does sound wrong. Because no, most of the time when these girls 
were leaving their family, which had nothing. They were going to a family which had something. She was going to become a part of the family, part of that other family. Now, that doesn't mean she loses her mother and father, but that does mean that she was going to become a part of that family. And we were, we're not going to set up a system where masters can just trade young women back and forth and where they can where she where they can get one for a little while and then then send her back and get one over here for a little while because what kind of system is going to eventually develop and we know this happens it's it's the way it happens all over the world all the time what would happen is a some form of prostitution would have happened they would have been begin men would have had this guy's daughter for two months and then sent her home and had this guy's and the wealthy would have taken advantage of the that it would have just been that's the way it would have been and so god says no that's not the way it's going to be if she goes to work for you if she goes to to be a bond slave for you she's not to go free from she's part of your house she's a part of your family and and i know that you're going to you're likely to take her in as some some form of in you're likely to have some kind of relationship with her and those things happen god understands god understands a lot of things i don't know if you know that but he understands everything as far as human interaction is concerned and there is a weird thing that happens when you mix testosterone into sin nature in a man and uh, and women don't understand that men men oftentimes really don't understand what's going on in them but the truth is that well it's a devastating thing to mix the sin nature and testosterone. It is a painful thing. And oftentimes it leads to destruction and it leads to men doing stupid stuff. And so God says, I'm going to put some parameters around this. Look, if you sell your daughter to be a servant for somebody else, she is not going to go free. She's going to be a part of that family. And if they mistreat her in some ways, we're going to have some relief for that. She's going to be a part of that family. And we know that's the way it's going to work out. And she's going to be taken care of. And this is how it's going to happen. If she does not please the master who has selected her for himself, he must let her be redeemed, meaning meaning that 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 can be got out of, but it's not going to be got out of by him working for seven years like the man or less and paying for his way out six years like the male. He, He says she can buy herself back out if the relationship is just not going to work. Her father can come along and redeem her out. But he must let her be redeemed, meaning we're not going to leave her in a bad, dysfunctional relationship. If dad figures out that my daughter's being mistreated and the relationships are not working out like they should, and remember, women are intensely more relational than men. Women, in many ways, make men relational. They domesticate men. That's one of the great qualities of a wife is that she makes her husband understand his responsibilities in relationship, not just to her, but to her family and oftentimes to his family. Oftentimes a woman will be very helpful in a man's relationship with his family because he begins to understand the context of relationship. And if this young lady is not fitting in in this household, father can step in and he can buy her back out and the contract can be voided right then and there. He says, he has no right to sell her to foreigners, meaning the master can't sell her to, you cannot sell her, her contract to anyone else. She's going to have to stay in that house and be a part of that family. And there's not going to be any selling her to people who are not a part of this nation and this economy that I'm setting up. You can't do that because he's broken faith with her. 
You can't, that's not going to work. You can't have this young lady come into your house and you use her and then you sell her to someone else and they treat, begin to create this giant system of prostitution. That's just not going to happen. God says, we're not going to have that. He says, if he selects her, his son, he must grant her the rights of daughter. Notice if she marries his son and becomes his son's, his son's sexual partner, then she's going to be treated as a daughter. And by the way, that, that would have been a natural thing that would happen. You'd have a family and a young lady come in and there'd be a, a, ma- a son in the house and they begin to have relationships with each other. And if that happens, then she's going to be a daughter in the family. Notice God is always drawing them back to family. He's always, he's always pushing toward these family units to be strong. And by the way, any society that bring, begins to tear apart the family unit, begins to tear apart the mother, father, child relationships that God made in the Garden of Eden, any society that tears those apart, tears itself apart. And there, that, that's just, that's, I know we have a lot of social scientists out there. And by the way, there's no such thing as a social scientist. Okay. There's socialism, there's social, there's, there's different psychology and things like that, that are subject matters in college, but they're not really sciences. Okay. Science is things that we can, that's why I called economics, the dismal science It's things that can be measured things that can be postulated, and then you can go and find out whether or not what you think is going to happen is going to happen. The social sciences are just experimenting with society. They're experimenting with the things that we know work and trying to make something better, but oftentimes are very destructive. I, and I have, I have no, no qualms about saying that at all. If you destroy the nuclear family, you destroy your society. And that's the case all over the world and has been the case in kingdoms and empires and nations for thousands of years. And societies that protect, nurture, and grow families, they become strong and they become, they become economically wealthy. Societies that don't do that destroy themselves. He says if he selects her, if he marries another woman, he must not deprive the first one of her food, clothing, and marital rights, meaning he finds another woman and marries her, and he tr- begins to treat her like a second citizen. Sorry, you can't do that. Sorry, that's not how this is going to work. You're not just going to alienate this woman and drive her out. That's, that, that's just not, that's not how it's going to happen. And uh, we see that, and we see that God's saying she's got her rights to food, clothing, and uh, she should not be deprived of that. And she should not be deprived of her marital rights because you've had relations with her. She's going to continue to be a part of the family. Now you're going, isn't God creating harems? Not really harems because remember, they can't trade them back and forth. But sure, there's now going to be an ability to have multiple wives, but it's better than having prostitution. And it's better than having these women just traded back and forth willy-nilly. He's saying, if you bring in another wife, and you have this girl that you've been having relations with, she's going to continue to have her marital rights also. He says, if he does not provide her with these things, she's to go free then out any payment of money. Notice, she can go back to her family, and what you paid for her, you don't get it back. If you don't do what you're responsible to do, then she doesn't owe you anything. She can just move back right with her family, and you're out. You're out of the money you paid to have her as a bondservant. It's over with. And I want you to notice as you read through these, 
you figure that you figure out that God is taking care of women. It seems like it's harsh because the way society in general over history has dealt with women, it's been harsh. The way human societies have dealt with women, it has been harsh. God says, I'm going to have some parameters about this, and we're going to make sure that we take care of women. And in this new economy, this is the way it's going to be. And as we study this, I am, I'm, I am just oftentimes as I really dig into it, I am shocked at how how much God loves us and how much God makes sure that he takes care of the weak and takes care of those who can't look out for their best. And oftentimes I realize that I haven't done that myself and that I need to make sure that I'm one who does that regularly on my own. I represent a lot of children who are abused, abandoned, and neglected. I deal with a lot of these issues out in the world. I see how terrible the world can be. I see how awful the sin nature can be in the human heart. But I also have a lot of compassion for people who just really are in bad situations. And a lot of times, sure, they're bad situations that they place themselves into. But the grace of God can change those things. And I'm glad that no matter how depraved I've been or no matter how ignorant I've been, God's always loved these people. And he gives us the knowledge and insight to see these things so that we might be the hands and feet of his mercy and grace in this world. And so you need to see it that way. You need to see that, sure, have you messed up and not done people in the past as you begin to study God's word and study God's mercy and you study how much God cares about those who can't take care of themselves? Yeah, yeah. But don't live in condemnation over it. Figure out, oh, okay, I need to make sure that I uh, take care of those who are are needy, uh, that I'm not enabling them to continue to destroy themselves but that I'm loving them and helping them as best I can to become all that they can be. And when I do that, I am the hand and feet of God in grace. And we are to take care of their spiritual needs, but oftentimes they can't see the spiritual until we meet some physical need that they have. And that's what we need to be doing on a regular basis. I'm glad I'm in a church that has a lot of people who want to be a part of those things and excited to see those ministries develop over the over the last few years and over the many years to come. Mm-hmm.